Hello, everybody, and welcome to day two of Panel Fest. I hope you're ready for another exciting day of six panel conversations on important industry topics. If you missed yesterday, they are available on Spotify and YouTube. Simply search Craft Beer Professionals or go to the link in the comments section below. But I'd like to give a big thank you to Mainvest for being our day two presenting sponsor. I'm going to turn it over to Nick with Mainvest for just a moment. Nick, welcome. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Andrew. Thanks, everybody. Happy to be here. Um, and happy to be partnering with the uh, craft professional to be talking about Mainvest. And, you know, we've worked over the last year with over 100 breweries, but we work with all uh, types of small businesses in like the brick and mortar space. And uh, really what Mainvest is, is we're a platform to help businesses get the funding and capital that they need by allowing you to raise capital um, as an actual investment directly from members of your community. So we've had you know, again, hundreds of breweries we're working with, um, raising an average of $150,000, usually for expansion, uh, distribution expansion, any kind of uh, growth kind of raise, as opposed to like a consolidation of capital raise. And you know, we work with these businesses to get you guys set up, launch these campaigns, and be able to go directly to your community um, and, and start raising that capital. Uh, what we found is businesses that raise on Mainvest have a better chance of uh, succeeding. We've had 100% of our businesses in the last quarter um, continuing to make repayments and staying in operations because a big part of it is you're getting that capital, not just the capital you need, uh, but also the support of the community, the loyalty, and those kind of aligned incentives. And so you don't walk away with $150,000, you walk away with say $150,000 and 500 to 700 people that are now financially incentivized for your brewery to succeed, that are gonna be patrons and evangelists. And there's a lot more to learn about. Love to talk to anyone that's looking to raise capital or looking to find different ways to kind of navigate through the craziness of the last year into the craziness of the next year. Uh, you can learn more at www.mainvest.com, um, and we're happy to set up calls with anybody and uh, learn more about you guys. Cool. And Nick, I know you've also helped out several community members in craft beer professionals. So thanks for everything you do. Thanks for supporting craft beer professionals. And you know, hopefully you can help some more breweries get going and expanding. So thanks again for being here today. And I'm sure you and I will talk very soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Nick. And now we're going to welcome to the stage. We have Chad. We have Barry. We have Nicole. And give it a sec. We're going to have a Mo in there. And Nick, sorry, we're going to say goodbye to you right now. <laughs> but I appreciate you for being here today. I'm really excited for this conversation. We're going to talk about being a successful boss. And anyone who knows me knows I'm very passionate about the business side of the industry. You can make the best beer in the world, but unless you can run a business that can properly sell, then it's all for nothing. So what we're going to do, we're going to just start with Barry, go around in a circle, tell everybody a little bit about you and why you're here today. Barry, floor is yours. All right. I am uh, Barry Elwanger, the Director of Sales and Marketing and Stuff at Motorworks Brewing. Uh, we're a 30 barrel system in uh, Orlando. We just opened our second facility, uh, which is in downtown Orlando as well. Uh, opened that about three months ago. Um, while my title is one thing, I touch everything, including the production management, the supply chain, uh, taxes, uh, you name it, my hand's probably on it. Uh, and uh, leading those different teams and understanding the differences of, uh, you know, the people and also the types of people um, in the different teams uh, has been, uh, you know, a fun challenge and something that's helped me grow throughout my career. And wanted to share some of those experiences. No, we're excited to have you, Barry. Now, Chad, tell everybody who you are and what do you do in the industry? My name is Chad Bratt. I'm the general manager at Jagged Mountain Craft Brewery in downtown Denver, Colorado. 
Um, we've been open here for seven years. I helped uh, start the business um, prior to us opening um, and uh, finishing touches on the tap room. And then uh, from there, just took over management. And um, I love it. I've got a great team of people. I like Barry. pretty much have my hands in just about everything, every aspect of the business. Um, I have my hands in and uh, I get to work with a good team and it's a lot of fun. So I'm excited to be here and talk about it today. Now I'm excited to learn a little bit more about you today. And Nicole, I know we had a great phone call a few weeks ago, but for everybody who doesn't know you, tell them you know, a little bit about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Hey everyone, my name is Nicole Carrier. Uh, I own Throwback Brewery. We are on the seacoast of New Hampshire. So I have a, um, a brewery and a farm and a restaurant. We've been in business for probably about nine and a half years now. And I started with my co-founder, Annette. Um, she's the engineer, uh, brewer half, and I'm the MBA business side. Um, I also used to be the president of the New Hampshire Brewers Association for three years. So um, I think Andrew, you and I like connected a little bit because I have a lot of experience working with other breweries and I, I feel like not enough breweries pay attention to the business side of things. So I was really thrilled to be on this channel, have an opportunity to talk about like the importance of people and the importance of the business side of the brewery. No, thanks for being here. Yeah. And Mo, you and I have been in communication for quite some time now. And I think Mo, you do a great job of putting humor into things. Mo and I's latest stick that we've been doing through emails is putting ridiculous like headshots of random celebrities and making it a guessing game to see, you know, who's gonna be next. So I think humor is a really important part of being a boss. But Mo, besides that, you know, why are you here today and what do you do? I can hear everyone except for Andrew. Did he ask me to introduce myself? I seem to be <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> my, name, my name is Mo Wark. I'm the director of hospitality operations for a hospitality group based out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, in our portfolio, we have three breweries, two here in Portland and one in Albuquerque, New Mexico, as well as pubs, um, tap rooms, and two boutique motels. Um, quite an extensive, diverse portfolio there. But we did start in brewing and breweries, and um, we have a three and a half barrel system, a ten barrel system, um, a three and a half barrel system, and a ten barrel system in Portland, and a and a ten barrel system in Albuquerque. Well, Mo, thanks for being here today. And Barry, I want to go back to something that you mentioned. You mentioned you deal with paperwork, you deal with brewing. Sometimes you might be the janitor. Being a boss isn't necessarily just doing one role. And that's the thing that breweries these days, especially the smaller the brewery, the, the owner, the manager, wears so many different hats. How do you for balance your different roles at the brewery and just kind of keep yourself sane through all of it? You know, before we even get to talk about being a boss, you know, for your sake, how do you manage all your different roles? Well, I, I think in the beginning, you know, it's kind of the, the thing we all laugh about at the, uh, you know, chief everything officer, and uh, you kind of have to do whatever is necessary to make sure the business runs. Um, but over time, and as you scale, that's something that you absolutely have to step away. You need to put your people in place, set them up for success and let them fail small so they can win big. So that's one of the biggest things and one of the hardest things, uh, you know, as you're growing a business from its infancy is, uh, you know, doing the dirty work, but also understanding when you have the right person, setting them up and like letting them run with it and not just like going and doing that admin style level work when, uh, you know, you really need that person to step up to the plate, even if they missed a little bit in the beginning, you know, coach, 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 champion, coach, and make sure that they feel empowered to actually step up. No, that's great advice. Chad, how about you? You know, I know you said you're the general manager, but you know, what responsibilities fall under your belt and how do you balance your schedule to make sure you take care of all of them properly? 
Um, yeah, and I'll amplify what Barry said too. Uh, um, but I, that's the hardest part, honestly, is uh, uh, managing the schedule, um, your own personal schedule. Um, you know, we manage a schedule for uh, 15 to 20 employees, give or take, uh, out of our small little tap room. Um, sometimes my own personal schedule is the hardest one to manage. Uh, everything, you know, things come up all day long, and uh, those are the those are the things that uh, you don't have on your plate for the day, but they're going to make a pretty big impact. Whether it's um, you know running to grab yeast from your local yeast supplier, fixing a leak drain, fixing a toilet that won't flush, um, stuff like that that you didn't necessarily have planned for the day, but um, that's when you got to get your hands dirty, sometimes literally, and uh, and and make it happen. So. Uh, you know, I think that, um, but what Barry said um, is completely accurate. You know, sometimes you have to step away from um, some of that stuff that you it's taking over your schedule a little bit more than it needs to be. Maybe it's not the best use of your time as a manager, um, and passing that on to some of the employees that uh, that have shown interest in it. And maybe it's not a, uh, a full-on. Maybe you know, marketing is one of those things. It's not a full-on marketing position, but. You can throw them five hours a week to help out with your social media and help make posters for your tap room, uh, stuff like that, uh, which goes a lot more, goes a lot further than just five hours a week for them. It's um, it's uh, a sense of ownership for that employee. Uh, it helps relieve your plate a little bit and uh, allow somebody else to step up. Um, and then it opens up, yeah, coaching opportunities down the road. You know, it's it's a, every every job and every position has a learning curve to it. So there's expected to be mistakes and some errors along the way, but those are all great. And uh, those are a good opportunity to, to show the employee that they can be confident in their work and that, you know, if they make a mistake, it's all right, you know, let's get it, let's get it figured out. And uh, again, those things add things to your schedule, but I think that's part of being a manager is uh, you might have a 40 hour work week and then you might have an 80 hour work week. You never know what's going to happen, but that's just, that's just the joy of it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and I think definitely in the current state of the world right now, you never know what you're going to have to do every day. Yeah. You're going in blind almost, hoping that it gets better than the next. So Yeah, definitely and going in with a positive attitude, staying optimistic as a manager too. Uh, don't go in with a frown on your face because nobody's going to get good energy off of that. Uh, go in positive. Even if it's a tough day, a tough morning, and you're stressed out, um, just be a positive person, and it's really going to make a big impact. And the work's going to get done a lot more efficient. People are going to be happy to be there, and then – Hopefully your day will end on a positive note, not a negative yeah, one. Yeah, hundred percent. Positivity and passion are definitely contagious, and yes. I think two of my keywords right there. Yep. Nicole, how about you? How do you balance everything you've got going on? I know you said brewery, you said restaurant, you yeah. said farm. Yeah, and I yeah recently lost uh, launched a sausage business too, so we got a lot we got a lot going on. I I I really think that um, I well I agree with the guys, but I also feel like. One thing that's made a huge difference for me this year is figuring out how to take time off myself, even if it's just like a day off a week, because just getting that time to recharge, uh, to focus allows me to be more creative and then also, you know, come in and be able to bring that optimism and bring that passion and bring that positivity to work. Like you were saying, Chad, you know, being um, positive and optimistic, I think really helps. I think Thanks that's huge also point. just to um, oh, go ahead there. Well, I, I just wanted to make, so that was, uh, you know, one of the, the hardest things off of bridging that and getting towards that was like actually defining a line, you know, in the first couple of years, it was pretty much, Oh, the, the projector's gone out or whatever it's midnight. Um, and uh, you know, I'm getting a text or call or whatever, and I didn't care. 
And uh, as time grew and, you know, like our previous uh, this panel we were on about like growing a business with uh, having a new young family, uh, it's setting an actual like hard stop time. Unless the building is burning down, figure it out kind of thing. And even if you mess up, like unless you like really, really mess up, uh, figure it out, take the chance to do it and don't feel like you're going to get, uh, you know, your wrist slapped for making a decision. Even if you make a mildly bad one. Um, unless it's like super consequential, in which case it's an opportunity to coach or, you know, hopefully not making bad, bad, bad decisions. It's, it's just setting that hard uh, defined line. So like on the weekends, I go home to my family. I'm out of here at six o'clock. And unless something is, uh, you know, really detrimentally bad for the business, figure it out. GM on the floor, figure it out. Yeah, it, we had it, a conversation yesterday on mental health in the craft beer industry. And one of the big takeaways from that was you're more than a brewery owner. You're more than a brewer. You're more than a general manager. You need to put yourself first sometimes because, you know, as successful as you want your business to be, unless you're taking proper care of yourself, then the business is going to suffer at some point. So you really got to put yourself first. I mean, almost all the time just to make sure your sanity is there, especially during 2020. But Mo, let's go back to you for a second there. You know how you mentioned so many different businesses in 60 seconds when you first gave your intro. And I hope you can hear me right now. I but can, yes. How do you balance your time with all the entities you have to help oversee? Yeah, so there's uh, pre-COVID balancing of time and there's post-COVID balancing of time. But in some ways, you know, I think everyone would agree with this in the service industry, we've been training to put out fires and to, to, to deal with things as they come up for forever. Cause that's what we do. Um, but mostly, you know, it's about developing people and delegating. And in my case, I mostly work with general managers at each location and I train them a lot. I teach them a lot. I try to guide them a lot in delegating. And it's something that I think initially with a lot of GMs, they hesitate to do because they feel like they have to do everything. And that's great. And that's the kind of work ethic we, we look for. But at the same time, you want the, um, you want the wisdom to develop in someone where they realize, you know what, I don't have to do everything. I can teach other people to do my job. I can teach other people to do parts of my job so that I don't feel overwhelmed constantly with, with everything going on. So you talk a lot about having a great team. I know quite a few of you have mentioned that, that already in the conversation. You know, how do you strategize and build a positive company culture and surround yourself with great people who you know are passionate? Because so many people in the hospitality industry, they don't look at it as something they're going to do forever. They look at it as a job, a quick way to make a buck. How do you surround yourself with people who are actually passionate about your brand, your story, and everything you stand for? I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, whether it's the hiring practices or how you take the people you've chosen to you know, bring onto your team and just to make them as passionate as you are. What are some of the strategies that have worked for you for? Um, I can go first if you guys want. I think uh, for us, like we have a very clear, uh, defined set of values. So like we have values like. Uh, be profoundly kind and you know if you make a mistake own it fix it move on and um you know teamwork there's all these different values that we have that are on our website and so it all starts actually when we hire people as soon as someone sends us an email to apply for a job i'll respond back and say like hey have you looked at our values and tell us which of those values resonate with you it's actually helped us weed out a lot of people before we've even brought them in the door because some people are like, oh, you're actually serious <laughs> about that. You're like looking for someone to be a good part and a good fit of your team. And you're not just like looking to bring in a warm body. So I think it all starts there. And then like living those values in practice um, has helped us a lot to retain the culture that we have. 
um, everything from bringing the right people to use our values to like, you know, hire, fire, um, give encouragement. Um, and it just sets up, I think it's really helped us over the past couple of years and living by our values. No, I love how you reach out to all potential hires about those values. And you might catch them off guard with that email, I bet. But you're right. It definitely helps weed out the ones who might not be a good fit. Yeah. For me, one of my like uh, there's you know a couple of ways of asking the question. But one of my favorite screening questions in the initial interviews is to get the you know, what's your favorite brewery that you've been to? Not ours. Like, what's your favorite beer and why? Um, you know, what do you, uh, who do you like locally and why? Because we believe in co-opetition and, uh, you know, we're, we're not the brewery that goes and trashes other places. We just don't believe in that. And I like to hear how they talk about other brands that are probably my friends um, and how that impacts, because I think that's going to show a lot about their character. So it's one of like my phase one, like questions. It's one of the most important things is how you answer that in that initial interview. Yeah, that is so true, Barry. That's uh, that's a question we use a lot too, is, uh, you know, just kind of like a, a warm them up a little bit during the interview. Um, and, you know, because we're going to ask, ask some tough questions. We're going to ask easy questions. But we like to warm them up with a little bit of like, yeah, wh what do you like in the industry right now? What's your favorite style of beer? What have you been drinking? What's in your fridge? Where do you like to go drink beer at? And just kind of see their overall demeanor of it um, and just the attitude they have towards it, you know, um, whether it's uh, positive and exciting or it's kind of that they're already over it and they're already kind of exhausted um, and they're just – going to go do it again uh this time at our brewery so that's one way we we typically will, will help decide um who we're going to hire uh another time another thing i like to use is just bring in one of my bartenders or one of my um supervisors that works behind the bar full time um it's going to be working hand in hand with this person i like to just bring him in on the interview um and just help me kind of decide uh if that person's going to be a good fit or not you know what the kind of vibe they're getting from them um our location uh too in downtown denver we're right in the heart of downtown we're not too far away from a uh, homeless shelter we have a lot of homeless activity across uh you know walking in front of our brewery we get a lot of random people in the door so you got to have some tough skin to be able to work behind the bar and that's another thing that uh, we really try to ask those hard questions about um are you prepared for this because uh you might have to call it pops you might have to remove people from the building it's not the best part of your day but you know we just want to make sure you're aware uh that it's not it's not um all fun all the time uh it's hard work and you're going to be in charge when you're here so uh setting the precedent absolutely uh you know instilling our values immediately um if they're not on board with them then it just isn't going to be a good fit for us uh we've been seven years building a pretty tight-knit family here and uh we're not looking to uh to change that we're just looking to improve that and add to it now chad with having a large po homeless population around the brewery you know oftentimes you'll get people from that population who apply at the brewery have you ever had any people you know who you've seen just kind of on the streets nearby apply for a position we have um and most of it uh and typically a lot of people are are, are thinking maybe we have a kitchen or something like that. So it's a lot of kitchen staff jobs. We don't get a lot of people applying for an actual bartender job, um, but usually it's uh, hey, what do you got I can do at the back? Or are you guys canning or packaging or this or that? So, uh, but usually we have so many people on board that we don't even need anybody. <laughs> yeah, understood. But I think sometimes people who have just a strong desire to work, whether or not they have that crappier education, can yeah. go a long way if they just really want to work hard. So absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. First and foremost, I mean, we've hired a lot of people who had zero bar experience, zero craft beer experience, other than just being a fan of craft beer, which is a requirement for sure for applying at Jagged. But 
but yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to work hard, you're going to go a long ways. And if you're going to have a good attitude about it, you're going to go a lot further. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just to piggyback off of that, you never know how far uh, someone's going to go with it. And, you know, having that someone that's a good cultural fit. Um, our packaging manager started off as a barback. Our lead brewer, who's been with us for over six years now, started off as a barback, um, of all things. He had no brewing experience. He just wanted to cut his teeth, uh, was a barback for a little bit. Then he was a server. Um, then he just wanted to learn more about the bag. So he started washing kegs. And uh, now, I mean, the guy is an absolute badass on our floor. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think everyone has some great ideas here. I agree um, with everything I'm hearing. And I would add to that that I really look for personality and um, attitude more than experience. And experience is great and it, and it can have a great value, but I'm looking for that winning personality and that great attitude where they're going to come to work every day wanting to be there because I can teach you to do your job, but I haven't really figured out how to teach people to have a good personality and a good attitude. You can coach it, you can help it along, but if they come in with a negative attitude and a negative and, a, and just a really abrasive personality, it's not going to work. Cool, good advice, there, Mo. So we've got our team together right now, but once you have that team working at your brewery, you know how do you train them and get them more passionate about your brand? What strategies have you foreseen? You know, most worthwhile is it having a written training manual? Is it just having you know several training sessions with experienced staff? What methods have worked best at your breweries? Well, for, for one of our uh, things is we try to do a, uh, a group outing uh, quarterly and we try to invite all, fa uh, all aspects of the business to it. Um, so like every spring we brew our oyster stout and we do a big uh, like oyster cookout. We shuck a bunch of raw oysters. We do a big just like general cookout in the beer garden and uh, we invite the entire team to it. We brew that beer together as a team and then, you know, do that big cookout that's just a bunch of our, you know, front of house and everything else having beers. And we try to do it on like a Monday or Tuesday that's a little bit less hectic so we don't have to have uh, so many people missing out that have to be operating on front of house side. So, we, you know, we love to do things like that. We try to do one at least every quarter. And what we found is by doing that and having a couple that we host as a company, a lot of our um, employees have been branching off and doing their own things and making their own little sub uh, groups and going, you know, bowling or going and, uh, you know, doing a uh, brewery tour and hitting a bunch of um, spots uh, nearby. But there's like these little things that is completely on their own time and whim because they're truly becoming friends. And it, you can't teach that. No, I agree with that. That's awesome. Yeah, we uh, we you know start off uh, kind of a normal training program. Um, we have a handbook that we, we try to follow along um, with, and then we have a, a just kind of go through every process of the brewery, um, whether you know they know it or not, or we sh you know show them how the process works in the back. We typically invite them in on a brew day, um, get them involved in that. Uh, obviously, you know. Uh, show them what proper PPE is as well, and so make sure that every time they're going back there, they know what they're doing and they're uh, they're uh, equipped for it. Uh, but we try to get them involved in uh, in that process, so they really understand um, what they're selling on the other side of the bar. Uh, we also make sure that they're they know that they're welcome anywhere in the brewery too. So it's not you know we have our production area that it, you know no bartenders allowed. It's it's wide open. You can come back, you can ask a question, you can point, you can yeah. If you want to know what's going on, just ask. Um, and I think that's uh, that's important in the training process, um, as well as uh, um, we do a bunch of outings as well, just like Barry does. We always try to get people involved uh, in going hiking or going backpacking. We did a four-day backpacking trip uh, this summer with a bunch of employees, uh, where we did four uh, four big mountain passes out here in Colorado, and 
uh, it was probably one of the toughest things uh, most all of us have physically ever done, uh, but it was so cool. We had a great bonding experience and uh, just brought us a lot closer um, on a lot of different levels and uh, just fun stuff like that to really like try to get people involved and uh, try to get them uh, uh, more instilled in that family uh, life we have here. Uh, they're just feeling like an employee that comes in and clocks in and clocks out. We want to make sure that they have uh, a support crew and family just outside of that in general and a good friend, friend base. No, the hike sounds like a really, really fun time, Chad. I got to ask you, what was the hardest part actually carrying enough beer to last you four days? <laughs> uh, no, whiskey takes care of that. You know, it's We did bring one beer because we named the we named a beer one of our pilsners after the the loop that we hiked, and so uh, we brought a couple beers for photo purposes, but mostly mostly whiskey. <laughs> no, that sounds like a great time. Yeah, I think very uh, Chad, you have good points. Um, yeah, and I, we. Luckily, we don't have a lot of turnover, but if we do have folks that come in, it's usually in the front of the house so that we have the employee handbook, the front of the house handbook, and then hands-on training. But I think the big message here is that like employees that feel like they're part of a family, like a lot of their good friends are at work, they're more likely to stay and be engaged and want to help in the success of the, the company. So doing things like whether it's hiking or like we do like massive Easter egg hunt, not Easter, like things like with alcohol filled, you know, eggs, of course, but um, you know, things like that where people from all across the company where the farmers are hanging out with the brewers in the kitchen in the front of the house, in front of the house, like making deep friendships is I think a large part of being a successful company. Yeah, I, I think, again, everyone is doing a great job describing it. You're making my job easy going last year. Um, but the formal training is fantastic and, and a handbook is very helpful. I think it's also important to choose the right trainer, someone that is going to reach out to that new employee and make sure they do feel like they're being made part of the team and then involve management in it as well. It's not just a server training a server. At the end of the shift, the manager sits down talks to the new employee, make sure they're getting the training they need. And, and I think training, a lot of it is about that that new employee should want that information to feel comfortable in their role. Um, so you want to follow up with them and make sure that they feel like they're getting what they need to, to succeed there. But then it's also ongoing. It never ends. I mean, that's true for anyone anywhere. Uh, one thing we do every single day, every single shift is taste beer with all the employees. And we want a we want every employee to develop a descriptor of that beer each time, even if they've done that same beer 20 times throughout their career with us. We do it over and over and over again. And it's fun. And I mean, the cool thing about being in beer is that we get to drink it. Right. So the staff loves it. They really buy into it. And, and you learn more every time you taste it. You might something subtly different about it. Oh, I never noticed that before. You know, so and, and it's a fun time. It brings everybody together and, and uh, gives us a chance to to build that team mentality. No, oh, I absolutely love that because the educational component of craft beer these days is arguably one of the most important components. You know, your staff, they got to have a great personality, but they also have to be able to educate the consumers and everyone who walks into your tap room about that beer. You know, it's frustrating when you go and you get someone who's like, oh, well, I don't really drink beer and they can't explain it to you. Whether or not someone drinks beer or not doesn't mean they can't explain the beer. So I think, you know, what you do, that educational process, walking people through the tasting notes, having them learn how to explain it themselves is very important. And, and Chad, I want to go back to something you mentioned a little while ago. You mentioned that everybody goes in the brew house and just learns how the process works. Mm -hmm. And one of the frustrations I've talked to a lot of people about is a lot of time there isn't that communication between front of house 
and back of house. Yeah. But besides, you know, what Chad just mentioned, what strategies do you for do to make sure there is that, you know, friendship between front of house and back of house so they don't feel like they're competing against other another, more importantly, having a disconnect. You know, yeah. how do you make sure those relationships are there? And let's talk a little bit more about what you do inside the brew house rather than all these fun and exciting hikes that we're, we've been going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, it helps that we have a pretty small production team. Uh, right now, it's just uh, our head brewer. Um, and she's super involved in in uh, front of house stuff. She doesn't bartend or anything, but she's just she just loves everybody that works up there. So she's always having to shift beer afterwards, hanging out. Um, and so that's honestly that relationship cultivated itself um didn't really need to do anything but just hire good people <laughs> to do that but um you know i think that that's important i've uh, i i you know employ a lot of staff who who have come from other breweries um around the country that have had that disconnect between front and back of house um and a lot of times they just you know never went in the back of house they didn't know the brew team they didn't really know what was going on back there um which i think is really disappointing because i mean you're serving that beer, uh, you want to know about it. Plus, I really hope that your brewer and team wants you to know everything about that beer. Um, one thing that we do uh, that really helps tie the front and back in, though, is uh, quality control. Uh, we we link any anybody who's in the building at that point uh, is is QCing that beer. It doesn't matter who you are, uh, even if you're a regular. Um, if you're a brand new customer, we might not throw it in front of you just in case, but uh, we're going to put it in front of our regulars. We're going to put it in front of our staff. We're going to put it, you know, our our, our our uh, um, a brewer Alyssa is going to bring out a tray of samples for everybody, so we want to, you know, we want to make sure that what we're putting out um, uh, is quality for for one, and then everybody knows what it is, and people have something to look forward to and something to expect. Um, and to go with what uh, um, uh, most said too, you know, on the educational part of that, um, it gives us an opportunity to have multiple different people taste the same beer pick up multiple different notes and, uh, and to be able to kind of expand palettes that way. You know, sometimes people throw, throw a, uh, a flavor out there that I have never tasted in a beer before, but the more I start thinking about it, the more I start tasting it in that beer. And, uh, I think that's pretty cool. So that's just a really fun, uh, kind of round table feel that, that, that really combines front and back of house. And, um, and also, if there's just something that's fermenting that uh, that we want somebody to taste, maybe a new beer that we're just excited about that, you know, we have already done the QC on, but we're going to bring some samples out. We want to get people stoked on it. And uh, I think that's important to do. But I think that that just really links front and back of house and uh, makes it more transparent. And uh, you know exactly what you're getting. And, and uh, yeah, there's if you got any questions, that's a good time to ask them, you know. No, so, I think it's very uh, like vital. Go ahead, Barry. Uh, I wanted to, to piggyback off of that because a lot of what we're talking about is front and back of house. Um, and we do that very same thing with our panels, uh, inviting, you know, the front of house for it. Uh, we also, um, so our sales staff, um, we do a quarterly meeting at headquarters and uh, we'll often invite them to the panel as well. And it, it, sometimes it's really fun for the panel's sake to um, have someone that's lesser trained off of like uh, traditional paneling methods and you get some cool descriptors that, uh, you know, you're not, uh, you know, some of us that do panels all the time or judging all the time, like we kind of get stuck in our ways every now and then of like same words, same descriptors or whatever. And hearing somebody that's like just fresh voice is often really fun. Um, but um, 
other thing I wanted to, uh, to mention off of it is, um, you know, sales staff. And, um, you know, when you are a distributing brewery, you know, again, we keep talking front, uh, front and back here. Um, when you have that uh, outside sales force uh, and anyone that's external, uh, making sure that you don't let them become islands because that happens often. And, uh, you know, one thing that we like to do is a quarterly blitz that rotates between territories and uh, myself, the entire sales team, and often one or two of our brewers will go, we'll just go and blitz a market and then do a happy hour there. And we rotate between each of the different markets. So each of the reps gets some love and we get a bonding experience with the ones that often are, um, you know, further away from home. It's a great idea. Barry. A great, great point there. I think it's important to make sure, you know, your, your sales staff is definitely involved because they need to be able to tell your story just as well. Does anybody else um, know, Nicole? Yeah, this so <clears throat> it's an interesting question about uh, about mixing front and back of house because I remember as a young server many, many years ago, this this was such an issue. I worked at a really, really big restaurant the first place I worked. And I remember, I think we had about 80 or 90 employees in that one location. Wow. And I remember that most of the front of house people didn't even know the names of the back house people. And <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's just a shame. Like I, I really, it's something that's really important to me is that everyone is a team and, and knows each other. So. Again, it goes back to starting with training it that that trainer that you choose as a representative should be someone that takes that person into the back and says, this is John, this is Steve, this is Barry, you know, like they it starts right there. And then for um, part of training is also our, our brewers do tastings with our front of house staff, uh, two, two tastings with our front of house staff. They do five beers one day and five beers another day. And then when we do those daily training tastings with with all of the staff, we include all of the cooks, if the brewers are available, which um, you know often they're very busy. But if they are available, they they join in it too. So it's that constant sense of community with with the whole staff. No, I love it. I want to go on to something that you just mentioned, Mo, just about you know building that team and getting them to know one another. It's been a really tough year. I'm sure it's been a tough year for the four of you, but I'm sure it's been a tough year for your staff as well. I mean, we've quarantined. We've not quarantined. We've quarantined again. We've gone back to work. There's just been a lot of up and down cycles. How have you made sure your, your staff are doing well? You know, how have you checked in on their mental health to make sure they're coping the best they can during this? What are some of the techniques that you've just done to make sure just everybody's doing okay on a personal level? Uh, lots of, uh, lots of zoom time. Um, we've been doing, uh, like zoom happy hours. Uh, in fact, we're doing one this Friday, uh, that we had a bunch of just random cans in our cooler from, from, uh, uh, the mobile canner and, um, just people who drop off beer. So I mix them up into four packs and put them in a bag and sealed them up. So you can't see what they are. And then they're all getting them on Friday. We're going to crack them all open and drink them all together on zoom. So Something that's just kind of a check in on everybody and see how they're doing, have a beer, talk about things, um, whatever comes to their mind. Uh, you know, uh, thankfully, a lot of my employees are still, you know, we're closed right now, um, except for to go only. Uh, a lot of my employees are still popping in and grabbing a uh, beer to go and saying hi. So they're still staying pretty, pretty active as much as they can. Um, but it's, uh, it's tough, but I, it's really just checking in on each other, texting, um, seeing how they're doing, you know, how you doing, how's your, your family doing, how's your dogs doing, how's this, you know, and just, uh, you know, trying to be connected in their personal life a little bit more. Um, I think it makes a big difference, and it's not just, you know, your boss. It's more of a, uh, a friend reaching out, making sure you're doing okay. Um, and in turn, they, they do the same for me, which, uh, which goes a long ways, you know, um, them, them asking me if I'm good and uh, making sure uh, everything's all right on my end, uh, um, 
is is uh, is amazing, and it, and it honestly it it, uh, it keeps the whole conversation going, and uh, so we're all constantly kind of thinking about each other. Yeah, and just because you're the boss doesn't mean you don't have tough days and hard days as well. Nope, <laughs> definitely do. <laughs> Barry, you're up. Um, yeah, no, it's it's one of those things, and like you know what, when you're when you have a good team and all that, they understand that you're a person too. And like, you know, the last year and a half has been especially trying with having a new baby. And uh, that's been interesting to see the dynamic shift of, you know, again, being the, uh, you know, the guy that's going to go, you know, hard every single day, nonstop sprinting um, and uh, to take a step back for it. It's been cool to see how the team is, uh, you know, stepped up or transitioned off of like how they approach when they need something and everything else. Like, you know, and understanding their, you know, the different team members, uh, uh, what management style is going to work best for them is also one of the things that I've had to uh, grow in because of that. It's like, you know, under, getting them to understand my needs and understanding better theirs by having good transparent communication. I think that's been a huge growth thing for the last two years for me. Yeah. I mean, communication is so important and especially now I mean, people want to know what's going on. Um, we, we don't want anyone to worry about the health of the business so we've been very transparent um, and we've started like I send an email out every week that gives an update on like everything. It goes gives an update um, on every part of the business, you know, the good things, the bad things. And because um, otherwise, I think people will just gossip and start talking about, you know, oh, you know, we didn't see as many people doing takeout this week or, you know, and it's it's good to just be completely transparent. Um, and then in terms of, you know, checking in on people, we're pretty small. Um, and my co-founder and I are like usually helping out either in front of the house or in the brewery or in the kitchen. And so we have a lot of opportunity to, you know, see our team and we've given a lot more mental health days than we have in the past. Cause we've noticed, you know, you know, the, the person who has her dad, 70 something year old dad living with her, right? Like, Hey, it looks like you need a break, maybe you should take a day or two off. Um, and just being cognizant that, you know, people in this time, which is completely emotional, really stressful, um, that, you know, people might need a little bit of time to themselves to get their, you know, head in the game and to relax a little bit and then come back um, and be a little bit more stronger. Yeah, we... We uh, unfortunately have had to lay off quite a few people during these times. And, and, you know, back in March, we laid off around and then we were able to bring a lot of them back. And then we had to lay off a lot of them again. I'm sure everyone can relate to that. Um, you know, and one of the things I've tried to do as this has progressed is as we've laid people off, I've made myself available to them uh, for resources as far as what they can apply for, how they can get government help. Um, I've, I know a lot about that. So I've, I've told them, call me, email me, talk to me. I can help you walk you through this process. You know, I'm here for you guys, whether you work for us anymore or not, even if you move on to something else. But and then for our staff that has stayed around um, or we've been able to to retain still. Um, yeah, check in with them a lot. You know, I have a really close relationship with all of my general managers and they know that I'm available to them 24 um, seven for anything. And they they take advantage of that in a good way. I mean, I appreciate it. They feel really, they feel really comfortable talking to me. I feel really comfortable talking to them. And uh, we have a very close personal relationship, all of us. No, I they, think the conversation, like, I, think, I think other people have said this too. They realize that I'm just as stressed as they are. <laughs> and so it's nice having them, you know, they understand where we're, we're all, we're all in the same boat together. So 
Yeah, I think you guys just touched on the next point I wanted to go to. I was going to ask, you know, how has your management strategies kind of changed during COVID? But you really just talked about that. But more importantly, I mean, we talked about mental health of the employees. You know, Mo, you talked a lot about the opportunities you're giving them. Chad, what are you doing at your brewery to help, you know, your staff get through this tough time? And how are you talking to them about the current state of things and keeping them positive? Yeah, same thing. Uh, giving them updates on uh, on where the business is and uh, and kind of our our um, local uh, ordinances, uh, public health orders, um, stuff like that. You know, obviously a lot of it we know uh, when they know. Uh, it's usually a press conference and it's announced, but we're trying to give them the cliff notes and and let them know what's going on uh, that's going to directly affect them, um, which is which is big. But yeah, I mean, it's really just all about communication, uh, being transparent about the business. Uh, you know, the shadier you are uh, about um, what's happening behind the scenes, the less likely they're going to be, uh, they're going to come back. Um, or, or if they do, the less likely they're going to be to trust you uh, and your business. So um, give them a reason to, uh, to trust you and, uh, and, yeah, just communicate, communicate, communicate. That's great. No, we had a question in the comments. We touched on the mental health issue, but Julie Rhodes in the comments asked, does your brewery have any sort of paternity or maternity leave policy? I'd, I'd love to hear the policies you for have in effect, you know, at each of your businesses. I'm the first one to have a kid with our place and I took some time. <laughs> so yeah. What do you think you're going to do for your employees, Barry? If you know, if you say you have an employee expecting, have you, have you put any thought to that yet? So, I mean, we're pretty liberal with our PTO uh, use and all that uh, to begin with. Uh, you know, we, we want people uh, across all categories, having a baby or otherwise, you know, your time's your time. So, you know, we're, we're pretty generous with uh, um, what our full-time employees get to build for that. Um, we have benefits even for like, you know, our front of house ones um, and which almost almost every employee for us is a, a, a full-timer um, in a traditional sense. Um, and, uh you know, it's just one of those things that's part of our benefit package and just kind of just trying to make sure that we're taking care of every single person and not just having a categorical line draw, you know? But uh, I love that you have a benefit package part of employment. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's something we actually don't have built in uh, to our, um, our uh, employee handbook or really anything, honestly. But we do follow the, uh, the Colorado State guidelines, which requires it. And honestly, we're the same way. We're so liberal about our PTO. That if you need time off, and uh, it's it's all yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we tend to we haven't had the baby thing really happen yet, hopefully soon. Um, but you know, we we have healthcare and good paid time off for everyone, and we also adapt. Like, you know, we had a um, you know one of our staff that was under, undergoing cancer treatments, so there's like you know we just adapt it to each person and give them, you know, paid time off accordingly to their situation, which I think you can do as a small business owner. Um, and then we adapt that back into the handbook as these cases arise. Yeah, so same kind of here. We don't have a, an official maternity leave policy, paid paid time off or anything, but we do, we, of course we would keep their job open for them when they're ready to come back. Awesome. Well, the next topic I want to dive into, we've talked a lot about the hats that all four of you wear and how, you know, you delegate different tasks, different people at your brewery as needed. But what about if it's something you can't handle? You don't have a staff member who's a good fit for that position. When and how do you decide to outsource something to an expert outside, you know, of your business? 
I'd love to hear about the thought process that goes into, you know, whether you're looking for a lawyer, accountant, a marketing expert, when do you choose to reach out to someone outside of your business? If it's legal, hire a lawyer. If it's not, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> nothing that you can't do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, it's about the time, uh, you know, uh, is, is how much do you value your time, right? Um, do you really need to be snaking that drain or should you just call the plumber in? Um, I think that's, that's, uh, that's the big part of it. Um, and then obviously picking the right, uh, right company to go with. Um, I don't, I, we use Facebook a lot to, um, we have some local groups. I'm sure most of you guys are on it too, other than the craft beer for professionals, but there's like industry resources and, and a lot of little, little places that you can uh, ask for recommendations about, you know, who's somebody's favorite plumber, or who's somebody's favorite welder, or I need some stainless welded or this or that. And generally, generally somebody has good experience and you can uh, get a good price on it. But, but yeah, it's it, value your time. Um, yeah, if it's and, and especially if it's over your head and over your skill level, don't don't get into it. You're just gonna break it and cause more issues. So just hire an expert. <laughs> stay away from electricity. Yeah, stay away from electricity. Yeah. <laughs> okay, stay away from electricity. Hire a lawyer. No, no. What do you got to add to this one? Uh, well, for I mean, we don't outsource core things. Like uh, for me, like marketing in like telling our story is really important and that's something I'm always going to do. So I think it also depends upon what you value, you know, and for us, like, you know, telling our story, I'm never going to outsource that to anyone, but yeah, lawyering <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I, uh, and also like a lot of the construction that we did on, on our barn to rehab it, like all that stuff was outsourced. Cause we want, we want to just focus on brewing and in, in the business. No, I'm in a transition. Sorry, go ahead, Mel. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm in a, a sort of unique position with this because of the resources that we have. So we don't outsource a ton. And when we do, it's after we've had one of our internal experts determine that we need to outsource it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Excellent. Now, I want to talk a little bit about also, what... Um, sorry, I'm on a bit of a lag. Uh, I was saying the state guilds, uh, at least I know in Florida, we have a pretty, uh, pretty tight net group. Uh, we have a, a whole forum off of it. It used to be on Facebook. Now it's gotten so like talkative that it ended up moving to its own like uh, single source platform, if you will, um, for it. But, uh, you know, a bunch of us are friends to begin with and just text each other. If we have questions, I know, you know, a dozen guys I can reach out to for a, an issue. Um, but uh, in general, if you're not sure or for classifieds or otherwise, like state guilds are often pretty awesome. Yeah, the state guilds are hugely important in the current state of craft beer right now. I can definitely echo that. Now, just looking at the four of your experiences, Nicole, I know you come from a background. You were an IBM executive. Yeah. How did you take your experience from your prior career and how did you and bring it into the brewery? Are there any certain you know concepts that you really value from your past life that you brought into the tap room or the brewery experience? Yeah, I mean, there's good and bad to being a former executive at a large company. Um, I learned the hard way that a lot of people in a small company don't read email. <laughs> or like, yeah, I was used to like emailing someone and like a billion things would happen instantly. And so I had to relearn actually my communication style. But I think the, um, the aspects that I learned that were really important are um, like one around setting vision and goals for people. Um, and giving people a reason for why they want to work for your company. So like we we are pretty since the day one, like we've all 
been about like trying to use as much local ingredients as possible and making our product and doing, you know, good for our community and for the planet. And I think um, a lot of people want to work for us because they believe in our vision. So I think very clearly setting a vision that people, um, you know, want to aspire to and help achieve and give them purpose and meaning in their job is really important. Um, and then like setting individual goals with people um, and also coaching. Uh, and we, coaching we talked a little bit about before, but I think, you know, performance appraisals are scary for people. Like no matter how often we are with our employees, like as soon as you bring them into the office to like talk about like a review, like people start like, like all of a sudden their mouth is dry, like they can't talk. Right? And uh, I think, learning to do daily coaching and helping people and giving immediate feedback um, is something that I've learned a long time ago and has been extremely useful um, in a small business as well. Awesome. And for, for the three other of you. Uh, for one-on-ones, and it's, I know it's not practical at scale if you have like a huge, huge company, um, but when we do it, um, I try to do it offsite. So I pick an account and uh, I tend to take that one person and go and spend an hour with them and have a beer, have some lunch or something else. Um, but, uh, for most of the stuff, or at least the ones that are kind of like in the, the growth part of their career, or like, um, you know, integral to a thing like a market manager or whatever, um, I tend to do a one-on-one offsite so that we're completely like away from everything. And it's not so, um, oh, I'm going to the conference room. Like, you know, it, it just makes it an easier uh, thing and it becomes a conversation. And I don't know, I've always seen better comfort levels than when I did it in the conference room and everyone's like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, same for us. We uh, we do we actually do one on ones with every every employee. Uh, we have part time employees who are school teachers that only put in maybe you know ten to twenty shifts during a summer, but we still uh, we'll still do a one on one with them. Um, and I think one of the most important things we do is we'll, we'll sometimes we'll do them off site if if it's feasible. Sometimes we'll we'll do them in the brewery, um, but I just like to do them right out in the tap room. I want to make them feel. Like we're just having a beer. Uh, you're not coming into the office. And you're not getting called into the principal's office, you know. So uh, hopefully you don't you you uh, you go in positive. But uh, I always like to to ask them, um, you know, uh, what do you want to do in this industry? What do you want to do here? If there's any role that you can uh, you can have, no matter what, you know, what do you want to do? Uh, even if it's my job, um, and I just want to see where they're at because. Uh, not only is it important to to know that for helping them grow um, within our own company, but if uh, if there's an opportunity outside of our company years down the road that they uh, they fit, I'm I'm going to recommend it to them um, because I want to see them grow. Uh, you know, beyond beyond jagged. You know, I I tell a lot of my um, employees, and and not to make it sound bad, but I say, hey, this you know, a bartender job here is a good stepping stone for something something next. I don't want you to be a bartender for the rest of your mm -hmm. life. I want you to run this place or do something even even more than that. So uh, if they tell me what they want to do, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for opportunities for them. Um, hopefully it's with us, but uh, obviously sometimes that just isn't the case. Uh, but if it's something they want to do, I, I don't want them to, to miss out just because they're, uh, they're pouring pints of beer behind a bar. So, No, I absolutely love that, Chad. 
Now that kind of segues really nicely into a next conversation topic I want to hit on motivation. There's so many different ways you can motivate your staff and Chad touched on, you know, opportunity to climb the ladder at the company. Everybody likes the potential to climb and just take on more responsibility. But what other strategies and methods have the four of you seen worthwhile, whether it's, you know, given the opportunity for people to, you know, rise in different positions at the company, possibly rewards, possibly recognition, what has worked best at your breweries? I, I say often that um, it's better to catch someone doing something right than catch someone doing something wrong. And I mean, that's a little thing you can do every day as an operational GM is just, hey, I saw what you did there. Great job. It's so it goes so far. It's so much more effective than and eh, I'll do that again. Reinforcing positive behavior is people love it. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy. And then you think, God, I want to do something again. Right. You know, I want to get called out for being for being good again. Like. It's, you know, it's just human nature. Everybody loves it. I love it when my boss does it. Oh, hey, great job on that, you know? Um, so it's not a huge, big, big thing. It doesn't cost any money, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I think in 2020, it's definitely necessary. It's important to tell people they're doing a good job right now. Just, it really goes a long way. Say, hey, Mo, you're doing a great job today. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, sure. Andrew. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I, I like to um, go like, I'll be eating something from the kitchen and I'll go in and be like, oh my God, like this is the best thing that I've put in my mouth or like go into the brew house and say, you guys, this beer is so like freaking good. Just even like simple things like that. I think people like hearing, um, you know, and they call us the moms. So I think when your mom tells you, <laughs> you know, that you're doing a good job, I think it, it really matters to them. So. Yeah, yeah, positive reinforcement um, is, is key. Uh, another thing I like to do is just getting them involved in, in little small decisions that might not be small, but say like merchandise, uh, you know, we're putting out some new shirts. I like to design up a bunch, like give them 10 options, print them all out and give the stack of them to them and say, Hey, what do you, what do you like? Circle what you don't like. What if you only change a color, move a logo around, give them a little bit of uh, opportunity to make a decision. And then, uh, once that shirt's printed and they get it, it's kind of cool. Like, hey, I made that decision. You know, that's my color choice, or that I decided to put that logo there, and uh, they get excited about that. Uh, that you know, beer names are another one that's really fun to do. Beer names are great. Like just asking your team, hey, well, you guys got any good beer names for this new IPA we're coming out? And uh, you'll get some. You'll get some winners uh, out of there. You'll get some really hilarious ones too that you might end up saving for another beer down the road. But you put it on the list, and and when you use it, they feel. Uh, they feel special. They feel like they, uh, that's, that's, a, that's another, just a, a huge compliment to them, you know? Chad, first off, stop saying things that I absolutely love, but I believe it's extremely a great way to get people involved by getting them involved in all parts of the process. You know, just because someone's just pouring beer doesn't mean you can't ask them marketing and merchandising ideas or suggestions for what they should brew next. It's, you know, the more you feel you're part of a family, the more you'll want to stick around there longer and the more you'll be invested in it. I think that's extremely important. You know, as we wind down this conversation, we've talked a lot about what you do for your staff, but you four are the, are the bosses. You know, how do you measure your success to know you're doing a good job? Because it's not always going to be there to someone say, hey, mom, you're doing a great job. Or, hey, Mo, I'm proud of you. Or, Barry, keep up with the good work. Or, Chad, you know, keep doing what you're doing. So how do you measure your own success as a boss? Uh, for me, I, I, I think it's uh, one, managing turnover. Like, if you, if you don't have a lot of turnover, that often says a lot. And two, um, seeing where the people that have been on your teams have gone. 
So, you know, something that like Chad alluded to earlier off of it, um, we had an amazing um, sales rep and uh, he had an opportunity to become a state manager for a liquor company. And I was like, when he told me about it, I was like, give him a big hug. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like, this is awesome. I can't give you better than this. Go do it. Go be the best. And, uh, you know, we still a very good friend and we stay in touch all the time. But, uh, you know, seeing his career growth um, and just getting to talk about his success lights me up. Like, you know, I got to be a part of helping get him uh, to that. And this guy's going to go in, like, he's going to spread that love and he's going to share that with people that are on his teams in the future. And like, just building positivity across all facets. Like, it's humbling. It's awesome. That yeah, I mean, awesome. there's an an old adage that says something like uh, people quit their bosses and not their jobs. So, you know, like Barry said, I will concur. I think a lot of it is turnover. Um, we're pretty lucky that way. We've had people with us for five, six, seven, nine years. Um, and uh, I think that's the biggest thing, as well as like overall vibe and happiness. Like you could tell like if people are gelling as a team or things are a little seem a little bit weird. Like every once in a day over I'm like, why is it weird? And you have to get to the bottom of, you know, what's going on and like you know, help people. But uh, I think it's it's a turnover and overall cultural happiness. The, the times when I have personally felt the most successful is when I've had that conversation with an employee that we all dread where it's this is the last time we're having this conversation. If, if we have it again, you're not going to work anymore. And then they become one of the best employees that you have. That feeling of really helping someone develop in a positive way is one of the most, it just fills me with happiness, <laughs> let's say. And it makes me feel very successful to see the that I was able to help in some small way, put someone on the right direction, on the right path. Yeah. When, uh, when my uh, one side of my L-shaped bar is filled up with employees on their day off, I usually feel pretty successful. <laughs> Whether or not they're telling me I'm doing a good job or not, I feel like uh, we're doing a good job overall. Yeah. And uh, it's not just about me regardless of the team. So I'm just a team player and I'm just trying to make sure that they're, they're doing everything they can. And, uh, and if they're coming in on a day off, that's, that's big. I've, worked at a lot of places where I would not be caught dead there on my day off. Um, and uh, luckily, this is not one of them. Um, I'll, I'll say that one of the worst pieces of advice I ever received from a past employer was never be friends with your employees. And I thought that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. Um, because I just think that gets you absolutely nowhere. Um, and uh, I think respect it comes from friends. And that, that's a, you don't you don't have friends on your team, then I don't know what's going on. <laughs> No, I love it. And I love the enthusiasm you four shared today. And I also love the fact that when you talked about your own success, you weren't really talking about your own success, but you were measuring it by how successful others are. And that's truly a great quality. So I, I truly respect you four for having that belief. But for Panel Fest, we're ending every single conversation with the same question. And 2020 has been a very, very difficult year for all of us. You've almost made it through. But if you had to look back on the year of the pandemic so far, what has been one bright spot in your life? It could be personal, it could be business. I'd love to hear something you know exciting and positive that you want to share with everybody in the list today. I'll go first. Um, um, we've had some of our, oh, go ahead, Nicole. Okay, uh, yeah, I was gonna say that um, it's funny, like looking back, um, it was a very hard year, but at the end of the day, like the creativity 
that came out of our team and the I, the ideas that we actually executed on and how we changed up so much. Like we used to be counter service. And then when we got to open back up, we did, you know, full service outside in our beer garden. We're still not open inside, but we're doing, you know, like all kinds of take home meals and Christmas dinners and we've launched a sausage company. Like there's all these crazy things that we're doing that we never would have done. Um, and I actually feel like it's a good thing that we now have uh, other ideas and ways that we can make money that aren't necessarily just, you know, beer and people coming into the restaurant related. And it's all about like the team being creative and coming up with just, you know, really good ideas. Yeah, I've truly enjoyed watching the creativity come out of this pandemic. So awesome work there. Yeah, we've had some of our best, uh, our like most uh, seen and like longest legged uh, uh, marketing campaigns uh, happened this year, which has been pretty cool. Like our adoptable logger was featured on Ellen and USA Today and every news outlet in the world. Um, that was just an incredible start to the year. Uh, Gronkzilla, um, what you know, after Robin Murkowski got signed uh, to us, he said Gronkzilla on Monday Night Football a couple of weeks ago, and like that beer's taken off uh, throughout the Bay, which has been cool. Um, we've just had a, a bunch of things that have, uh, you know, drummed up some news, kept us relevant. And it's just been really fun for some of the creativity that's come, you know, during this time. Also being able to help to, you know, the community. We like teamed up with the distillery when there was the shortage um, on hand sanitizer and to be able to put some of our resources to that when we were fully shut down. We had some of our guys go and help with that process and then deliver that out to first responders just to, you know, as a donation because we wanted to help. You know, it, it's been cool to see the, the creativity and the teamwork uh, that's that's come from a, a pretty insane year. No, oh, good work, Barry. Yeah, same here. All both of those, uh, I, I would echo both uh, both Nicole and Barry. But um, yeah, it's the creativity was next level this year. Uh, the people, the, the stops that people pulled out, uh, you know, breweries outside of outside of ours, it was was pretty great. And uh, there was a a lot to be said about um, the, you know, the struggle we were up against, uh, especially here in Colorado, uh, and what our guild did, which is uh, actually just one person right now uh, on the guild. It's pretty insane that uh, that they rallied in and supported 400 plus breweries in our state, and uh, it's just it's cool to see that out of out of an industry um, that uh, could be uh, very competitive and very divided, but it really came together this year. Um, and another thing too is uh, I was just impressed that my staff took uh, the initiative to put their mental health first. You know, um, it's hard to get through these times, and they they really uh, took it upon themselves to you know get outside, get fresh air, go for a hike, connect with friends, and not get in a funk. And I think that was really big um, uh, during our initial shutdown from March until June, because uh, when we reopened uh, late June, it was. Um, uh, vibes were pretty good and and uh, positivity was high. So I think that, that that just made a big difference. People just uh, just did what they needed to do and uh, we all came together on it. No, it sounds like you did a fantastic job supporting them. That's awesome. And Mo, last but not least. Yeah, I think uh, staff rising to this challenge has been the bright spot for me. Um, I've seen a lot of people in our organization really step up and, and make it, keep it together and make sure that the staff that they have is is happy and working and uh in particular i have a gm in albuquerque who really shines and she she's always been amazing but in this time she has really knocked it out of the park and probably grown and developed as a gm more than she would have otherwise 
and really done some amazing things with very little um, business coming in. She's she's made it work, and I've been really impressed with her. And her attitude every day is incredible, and it it shines through to the staff and to the customers, and it's it's been really nice to see. No, I've really enjoyed how much you guys have praised your staff this past hour. I think it's so great how you've surrounded yourself and created that positive company culture and just full of people who are passionate about what you do. And you, your four passionate attitudes, they radiate through the screen. So I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for sharing your insight. You know, 2020, like I said, again, it's been a weird year. You're going to have an amazing next year. I'm looking forward to hopefully having a beer with you all four in person, whether at your breweries or some industry event. I definitely look forward to that. But Barry, Chad, Nicole, and Mo, thank you very, very much for being here today. And I hope to see everybody soon. So Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Talk to you later. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, everyone. <laughs>